If I were to ask you the question, how many people on Isla have faith? I wonder how you would answer. Maybe you'd start by doing a few calculations. You'd add up the attendance of the churches on a Sunday. You'd get to about 150 people. That's about 5% of the population. Maybe that would be your answer. Or maybe you'd be a little bit more generous than that. You'd add on all those who occasionally attend church at Christmas and Easter, those who go to the funerals, those who once attended Sunday school as a child. And maybe you'd guess 45 to 50% of the population. Now, I'd like to make a suggestion that is a little bit controversial. You can see what you think to it. You can argue with me later. But I would like to suggest that the answer is 100. Not 100 people, but 100% of people. I think everyone on Isla has faith. I don't think there's such a thing as people who have faith and people who don't have faith. I think the truth is that everyone puts their faith in something. That is because as human beings, we all get that moment of dawning realization when we discover that actually we're very small. In the grand scheme of things, we are tiny. We realize that we are weak and we struggle and we have very few of the answers to life. So instinctively, we start reaching out for help from things that we perceive to be bigger and more dependable than ourselves. So rather than asking the question, how many people have faith? We should be asking, in what have the people of Isla put their faith? Is it in luck or chance? Touch wood, they say. Is it in money or pension plans? Is it in party politics or a branch of medical science? Is it Buddhism, paganism, paganism, or the many forms of New Age spirituality that are out there? I'm telling you, every single human being puts their faith in something. And if that is true, the atheists on Isla might ask us as Christians, well, what's the difference? What's the difference between our faith and theirs? Well, quite simply, it is this. As human beings, we can have faith in many different things. But God alone is faithful in response. God alone is capable of honouring and responding to our faith. God alone will never let us down. Let us think a little bit more about the nature of faith. During the terrible days of the Blitz, a father holding his small son by the hand ran from a building that had been struck by a bomb. In the front garden, there was a shell hole. And seeking shelter as quickly as possible, the father jumped into the hole and held up his arms for his son to follow. Terrified, yet hearing his father's voice calling for him to jump, the boy replied, Dad, I can't see you. The father, looking up against the sky, tinted red by the burning buildings, called to the silhouette of his son, But I can see you! Jump! And at this, the boy jumped because he trusted his father and he was caught safely. This is what the Christian faith is like. 
The Christian faith enables us to face terrible situations, not because we can see, but because we have the certainty that we are seen. Not because we ourselves know all the answers, but because we are known completely by God. This is faith. We come to experience a loving relationship with someone much bigger than ourselves. We take a leap of trust and we find ourselves caught safely by Almighty God. Everyone puts their faith in something, but only God is always faithful in return. In our passage today, we're going to see the great faith of the Shunammite woman. And we're going to try and learn some lessons from it that might deepen our faith today. First of all, let's realise the need for faith in this story. It comes in a moment of tragedy. Oh, what pain it is for a parent to lose a child. There really is none like it. If we've not experienced it ourselves, we cannot really comprehend it. In ancient Israel, the emotional torment was added to by societal pressure. For women, their primary role was to produce children. And sons were prized more highly than anything else. For they maintained the family line and inherited the land and passed on the legacy of all that went before them. To lose your child in a world like that was an indescribable tragedy. And faith is all that we have in moments of suffering like these. If we don't have faith, we would die ourselves. In the face of tragedy, we as human beings experience how weak and how vulnerable we are. We're not in control. We cannot solve the situations that we find ourselves in. Notice how this Shunammite woman had done all that she could. Verse 20 tells us that she had cradled her little boy on her lap for hours. And we can imagine her nursing him and kissing him. She'd have tried to feed him. She'd have tried to give him water. She'd have rubbed ointment in. She'd have fanned him with fresh air. She would have done everything that she could possibly have thought of. She would have wrung out her heart until every last drop of love had fallen on her boy. But it was all to no avail. At noon, the boy died. It's in moments of tragedy that we realise that we need help. We need help from something far beyond ourselves. The opening verse of this story told us that the woman was rich, but money couldn't help her here. Could it? We need something much more powerful than that in the face of death. We need faith in something more. But incredibly, this woman had it. Back then, Jews would bury their dead within 24 hours of them dying. It was a hot climate. It was necessary to stop the spread of disease. But this woman would not allow her son to be buried, would she? Instead, she personally picks him up and carries him to the bed where Elisha slept. And then she rushes out the door to find Elisha himself. This woman doesn't have all the answers. She doesn't have a plan for what's going to happen next. But in her desperation, somehow she clings on to faith that her God can raise the dead. That somehow he would catch her. 
in her moment of desperation. This woman has faith and she puts it all in the Lord. I want to now ask the question then, where does this faith come from? How has this woman the courage to put all her trust in the Lord in this moment of terrible tragedy? Well, the text doesn't tell us exactly, but it does give us three important clues. This woman believed that God could raise the dead because she knew God's word, she remembered God's goodness, and she trusted in God's power. Let's take one of those at a time. First of all, this woman was able to have faith because she knew God's word. In that opening illustration, the boy jumps into his father's arms because he knew his father. He had a relationship with him that had been built up for years before the tragedy of the bombing occurred. Well, so it was with this woman. She knew the Lord and she knew him through the ministry of Elisha. The opening verses of our passage spoke of how the woman had made a room for Elisha within her home. Indeed, she had the courage to convince her husband to do this. Now, Elisha was a prophet. His job was to wander the land, speaking out God's word. He would challenge injustice. He would offer hope to the struggling. He'd call the people back to the Lord. He was the voice of God's truth. And by making room within her home, this woman has also made room within her heart for God's word. Over the meal table, she must have loved to listen to Elisha speak. Why else would she have gone to such efforts for him? This woman had come to know God through Elisha speaking God's word to her. And you know, faith in God takes time to grow. It's not always there in a moment of tragedy. You can't just jump into the hands of your heavenly father if you don't know enough about him to trust him. And that is why, if we want to grow in faith, we too need to make room for God's word in our lives. But there was more to this woman's relationship with the Lord than just her knowledge of his word. This woman had experienced God's goodness. And in this moment of crisis, she must have remembered that. Let's go back to the beginning of the passage again. Elisha had obviously appreciated his board and lodging. And so he'd asked his servant to ask the woman, well, what can be done for her? And interestingly, the woman doesn't ask for anything. Her response to Gehazi's question in verse 13 was, I don't need anything. I've got a home among my own people. In other words, I'm happy, I'm, I'm content, I, I'm not looking for more. But Gehazi himself realised that there was one thing this woman would want, and that was a son. As I said a moment ago, sons were precious in the ancient world. And at some point in their life, it must have been a great pain to this woman and her husband not to have been able to have a son. It would have been seen as a, a cause of shame in their lives. But obviously as the years had passed, slowly but surely, this couple had just come to terms with that. They'd learnt to live with that pain within them. And Gehazi was quite astute to realise that underneath the mask, that yearning for a son <coughs> must still have been there for this woman. 
And so it comes to be that the, the woman falls pregnant and the child that she dreamt for but had given up hope for arrives. Clearly a miracle, clearly a great blessing, a gift to her from God. This woman hadn't earned the child. This wasn't payment for the hospitality that she'd offered. As we read when she was asked, this woman requested nothing in return. She'd become content with what she had. This child was simply an act of grace, a symbol of God's undeserved favour, a mark of his goodness. Now surely as she faced the tragedy of losing that child, her mind would have gone back to the gift in the first place. God had been unbelievably good to her before. Surely it was possible that he might be good to her again. Now it's not easy to hang on to these memories of God's goodness. In her great pain, this woman had many bitter questions, didn't she? Why would she have been given a son for him only to be taken away again? That question raged from her soul, as it would have done for all of us. But still she looked back and remembered what God had done in the past and trusted that he would still be good in the present. And that is another lesson for us. One of the most effective ways that we can build faith is by counting our blessings. By actively remembering and saying thank you for the good gifts that God has brought to us. We remember our life and our loved ones. We look at the awesome world in which we live and the joy we get from living in it. We remember answered prayers and the blessings that we have received. We remember all those little signs that show us that God is good. And by taking the time to do this, we build our faith so it's ready for when that moment of tragedy comes. Again, in that opening illustration, the boy jumped into his father's arms because of all those times the father had been good to him and looked after him in the past. Remembering that I built this unbreakable bond of trust. And so it is with God. So this woman knew God's word and she remembered God's goodness. But thirdly, she trusted in God's power. Now, if we'd been there all those thousands of years ago, we might well have wished this woman to have a child. We would have sympathized with her. We would have wanted her dreams to come true. Out of the goodness of our hearts, we would have loved to see her have a child. But of course, none of us could have done that. No human being has the power to create life in that way. But God does. And this woman had experienced God's great power overcome the barrenness in her life. And that experience had changed her forever. She hadn't dreamt this. This wasn't a mirage of wishful thinking. She'd actually experienced God do something incredible. And surely it was this experience of God's power that gave her the faith to believe that he could do it again. God had given her her child. Only he could have done that. Only he can give him back. And so she puts all her trust in him. In the opening illustration, the boy jumps through the smoke into the darkness because he believed his father had the strength to catch him before he hit the ground. 
Our faith is rooted in God's power. It's based on him being bigger and stronger than we are ourselves. And maybe as we sit here today, we can think of the experiences we've had of God's power in our lives. Maybe we have witnessed a miracle or experienced a healing or felt the touch of God in some way. Even if we haven't, we look at the world around us, which must have been made by something. And think, wow, this, this God is powerful. Or we read the story in the Bible of 2,000 years ago, God raising his son from the grave. Not fairy tale, not wishful thinking, but the truth. God has the power to defeat death. He's done it once, and we can trust that he can do it again. So these are the reasons why this woman, when facing this moment of terrible tragedy, has the courage not to bury her son, but to lay him on Elisha's bed and rush out to find him. In the trial, she had faith. Faith that came from knowing God's word and remembering his goodness and trusting in his power. So we've thought about the need for faith and we've questioned, well, where does faith come from? There's one more lesson I'd like us to learn from this story. I'd like us to see how dogged this woman was in her faith. She held on to it, come hell or high water. Once she'd set her mind on seeking out the Lord through the prophet Elisha, just look at the obstacles she had to overcome. First, there was her sceptical husband. Truly, he was suffering too. He just lost his son. And his thought of his wife flying off on some wild goose chase to Elisha must have been the cause of even more pain. So he tries to deter her from going. Why go today, he said. It's not the Sabbath. It's not the new moon. In other words, stay here. Nothing's going to happen. Our son is dead. Give it up. And you get the sense that this man was very much the equivalent of a Sunday Christian. He knew of God and he did the rituals But faith was really reserved for a few days a week. It didn't really filter out much into the rest of his life. But this woman brushes off her husband's deterrence, saddles the donkey and presses on her way. But still the problems haven't finished. Next, she has to overcome the protestations of Gehazi. When the woman reaches Elisha, she charges up to him, she hurls herself on the floor and she clasps onto his feet. She's desperate, utterly desperate. She's lying in the dust, begging for help. But Gehazi is a little bit uncomfortable with this show of emotion. So he tries to pull her away. The woman, however, will not be moved. Her hands remain tightly gripped around Elisha's feet. And Elisha realizes her distress. And then there's another one. When Elisha tries to send the woman back to the house with Gehazi, she turns to Elisha and she says, As surely as the Lord lives, I will not leave you. And so he got up and followed her. We get this sense of dogged, persistent, committed faith. This woman is going to hold on to the end. She is not going to be put down. She is not going to be put off. And Elisha is clearly moved by that. The Bible teaches us that maintaining faith is not always easy. Sometimes we have to be really persistent. But of course, this woman held on to faith 
And God did a miracle in response. Today then we've been learning the lessons of faith. As human beings there will always be moments when we need to have faith. For we live in a world where painful things happen. There'll be moments where we realise we need something much bigger than ourselves. Human beings put their faith in many things. But only God is faithful in response. We've learned from the Shunammite woman where faith comes from. It comes from knowing God's word, remembering his goodness to us, and trusting in his power. Faith works because of the God we have faith in, not because of how good we are. But we do have the responsibility to never let go of it. To be dogged and persistent. To hold on right to the end, no matter what comes. And the Bible assures us that while we hold on to faith, God holds on to us. This story doesn't promise us that miracles will always happen. Even the boy in this story would die again. But God does promise to be faithful to us. 800 years after these events, God filled an empty womb again with life. The life of his son. And after Jesus had died for our sin, God had the power to bring him back as well. If we put our faith in Jesus, we are guaranteed resurrection too. The miracle of life after death is on offer to all who have faith.